to fall back and do just a little review over what we covered last week and then, and then jump into the outline. But I'm going to give you a little extra, just a little supplemental, uh, just something that's on my heart. How many of y'all have ever heard of a teachable moment? Teachable moment. Well, we're going to have a teachable moment tonight. There's just something that's on my mind and on my heart, and we're going to deal with it tonight, all right? Uh, uh, how many of y'all like to get criticized? That's what I thought. How many of y'all have ever criticized somebody? Yep, yep, yep. Usually we're all guilty of that. We need to, something we need to work on. But we're going to learn some truth about that tonight. Uh, uh, the last point that we stopped on last week was envy. Uh, envy. And, and what comes after envy? Usually it's criticism. Uh, what do people criticize? Usually somebody that's bigger than they are or better than they are. It, it just comes with the territory, and so that's what we kind of talked about last week. But the whole deal, the whole uh, uh, point of the outline was wisdom. Or I want to use this word tonight, I want because I've been thinking about it from then to now. Uh, what would be an easier way to really understand what James is trying to say? What are we influenced by? And uh, it's what wisdom are we using? Are we using an earthly wisdom or a heavenly wisdom, wisdom that comes from above? or wisdom that comes from beneath. But what, what, basically what it's saying, what are you being influenced by? What is the greatest influence or the most powerful influence in your life? What is influencing you? And then we're going to talk about the symptoms of what is influencing you. If you are being influenced by the world, if you are being influenced by Satan, if you're being influenced by the flesh and you're falling into that, uh, that mode of living, there's going to be some consequences. There's going to be some evidence, if you will. And we're, that's what we're going to talk about tonight. But there is some things that we can see in our life if we're being influenced by God. If we're being led by the Holy Spirit, we'll see that also. So that's what we're going to cover. If that makes sense, say amen. James chapter number 3 and verse number 13. James three thirteen. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge? Now, remember last week we said that the difference between knowledge and wisdom is this. Knowledge is information. It's the acquiring of information. But, but wisdom is the right use of knowledge. It's how to take the knowledge and the information you've gained and use it in a good way or use it in a, a proper or a right way. Does that make sense? Amen. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation, that word means behavior, good behavior, his works with meekness of wisdom. But if ye have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not, don't brag, don't boast, and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, or this influence descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. We'll talk about that in just a second. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion every evil work but the wisdom or the influence that is from above is first pure then peaceable gentle and easy to be entreated full of mercy and good fruits without partiality and without hypocrisy and the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace all right uh, i'm going to pray and after i pray i want you to be seated and i'm going to do a little recap a little review over last week's notes and while i'm doing that i want y'all to turn with me uh to john chapter number 12 all right after i pray lord thank you so much for your blessings and your goodness and your kindness and your love and your forgiveness and 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 your long suffering uh lord you, you're so kind and so precious and so good to us and father i pray right now that this this will be truly a teachable moment this is something that we can take and learn and glean and grow and be better 
and, and be more Christ-like than we have ever been before. I pray, God, that your perfect will be done tonight. Don't let me say anything in arrogance. Don't let me say anything in anger. Lord, don't let me say anything that, that needs to be unsaid. Lord, I pray that you'll help me to remember everything I need to say. Lord, don't let me forget something that's important. Don't let me forget something that can be life-changing. I pray that when we leave here, we can say we've heard from God. And God will thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Last week, last week, according to, according to cha- uh, verse number 15, we found out that there are different powers, if you will, there are different powers that are vying for control or influence in our life. There are different powers. There are different, uh, different things that we fight. There are different enemies, if you will. Every, every, there, there are things that's wanting control of your direction. There's wanting control of your life, your, your voice, everything about you. They're wanting control. Three things. Three things we said on, the, on the, the negative side of it. According to verse number 15, this wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, and devilish. Now, we covered this last week. We said that there are three negatives in our life that's vying for control. One is the world, the world's influence, the, the, the world's culture, the world's way of thinking. In other words, when you go outside the church and you go out into the community, you go, you look at Hollywood, you look what's on TV, you look what's on the radio, you look at the prevailing thought, the prevailing way of thinking. How many of y'all, how many of y'all can see, uh, you, you, don't have to be, you don't have to be on the internet or the radio or TV very long whatsoever to see that we are living in a very anti-Christ culture today. Now we get upset when we say America is no longer a Christian nation, but America is no longer a Christian nation. We're living in a very, very secular society that's very anti-Christ. They call evil good and good evil. Uh, when, when, uh, anyway, I'm not even going to go into that because I'll start running a rabbit and somebody claimed I had a pack of beagles. So we're not going to do that. Amen? Now, uh, uh, this, is, this is what we face and this is what we fight. A world and a culture that's so against what we believe the Bible is teaching us to live, how to dress, how to talk, how to behave, how to treat others and all that kind of thing, how to be holy and righteous and pure. Uh, So we're facing the world. The world is trying to influence us. Say that. The world is trying to influence us. Not only the world, but the Bible says not not just earthly, but uh, it says sensual. That is of the flesh. That's of the senses, the flesh. Uh, uh, someone said this, and, and I, I believe it to be true. I believe it to be true that, that your number one enemy is in the mirror. It's in the mirror. I fight myself more than anybody. Uh, my own flesh. My flesh does not like to read the Bible. My flesh does not like to pray. My flesh does not like to get up in the morning. My flesh does not like to do anything that's righteous or holy. My flesh is wicked. And, and before you look at me that way, yours is too. Paul said, I have no, no confidence in the flesh whatsoever. I have no confidence in the flesh. Don't trust your flesh. Don't, don't, don't trust that old nature. Uh, it'll trick you. It'll lie to you. Your heart is, that's why, that's why we tell you, don't go with your heart. People, the, people of the world will tell you, just follow your heart. Don't follow your heart. Your, your heart is, is wicked. Your heart is deceitful. What does that mean? It'll trick you. Your heart will tell you to love somebody you shouldn't love. Your, your heart will tell you to date somebody you shouldn't date. Hello? Your heart will tell you to do things you shouldn't do. What do we do then? We follow facts. 
We follow truth. Sometimes your heart will tell you to punch him in the throat. I need a witness. Don't even look at me this way, people. I know who I'm preaching to. Are y'all with me? When that person says a certain thing or does a certain thing or treats your child a certain way or your friend. You know, I've, I've kind of got used to criticism. I mean, it's it kind of goes along with the territory. If you do something, you're going to have people talk about you. But, man, when you talk about my friend or my children, now, now am I getting somewhere with us now? Your heart will tell you they need a throat punch. Amen? But that's not, that's not what the Bible says. So we face, we face our flesh. We've got to fight our flesh daily. Paul said we need to get our flesh under subjection, crucify it. It needs to be under control. Uh, we face the world. We face our flesh. But then, then it says devilish. Uh, there is a real devil who has real partners who are, listen, in a real battle against you. The Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood. And I wish every Christian in America could get that. I wish they could get the fact that we're not each other's enemy. Even though we may believe some things differently, even may we practice some things differently, even though we may listen to different types of music or something like that, we're not the enemy. Who's the enemy? It's not flesh and blood. It's principalities. It's powers. It's rules. It's, it's, it's the devil and his, his army. It's the devil and his crowd, his demons. I'd like to, I'd like to say I'm, I'm important enough for the devil to be on my back because I, you know, we use that term. Boy, the devil's been riding me, but I don't think I'm near important enough for that to happen. Now, the devil can't be everywhere all at the same time like God can, uh, but he does have friends, and they, they will, they will come after you, and they will try to destroy you. They will try to influence in you. They'll try to influence you to do the wrong things all the time. The devil. What? How does? How does? How does? How does uh, Peter say it? Peter ought to know. Peter had the jaws of Satan in, in his backside at one time. The devil is as a roaring lion who roameth about seeking whom he may devour. I like that may. That may. That means, that means it's, not a, it's not a done deal. And, and you, you, have to, you have to give him permission how many of y'all ever was in class, in school, and, and, and you said to the teacher, can I go to the bathroom? And what they always say? I don't know, can you? I tell you what, I, I can go right here if you don't let me go. Hey, man, that's what I can. What do they say? They'll say, may I? In other words, it, it means permission. The devil's as a roaring light seeking whom he, he may devour. So, how many of y'all, how many of y'all it, it makes sense when we read this, we understand that there are outward influences trying to influence our life, trying to influence our way of thinking and our way of doing things. Amen? We've got the world, we've got the devil, and we've got our own flesh to fight with. Now, uh, uh, then we said that there is wisdom that comes from above. There is wisdom that comes from Christ. And we've got to know Christ. We, we have to have his influence in our life. We have to pray. We have to pray. They, they, they asked Jesus. It's amazing. They never asked Jesus how to sing. They never asked Jesus how to preach. <clears throat> they never asked Jesus how to soul win. They never asked Jesus how to do evangelism. But they did ask him, how do you pray? 
Because they seen Jesus pray like nobody else could ever pray. They seen Jesus talk to the Father like nobody else could talk to the Father. And he said, I tell you what, boys, when you pray, this is how you pray. And this is not a, a secret formula that we're supposed to repeat. all. The, he gave them an outline or a pattern of prayer. He said, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. In other words, he said, when you start your prayer out, you need to glorify your Father. You need to magnify your Father. You need to worship him and recognize who you're praying to. You're not praying to some person who has no power, who has no ability. You're praying to the God of the universe. You're praying to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You're praying to, listen, the one who created it all. You're you're praying to one who's bigger than any problem you have. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You pray for God's purpose in your life. What are you doing? You're asking God to come and influence you. Influence what you do that week. Influence how you think that week. You're asking God to protect you. I think we need to ask God to protect our mind in every... Influence us. Control us. The Bible says, be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. The word filled means controlled by. I I love this statement. I've heard it ever since I was a little kid. When you get saved, you get all the Holy Ghost you're going to get. What does it mean to be filled? It means He gets all of you means you surrender to him. He gets complete control of you. And he, and he influences your life. He influences your thinking. How does that happen? How does that happen? It says, it says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. Uh, now, now you, you, you can't have what we're talking about till you surrender. You, you, you have to surrender. It takes surrender first. You, you, can't, you can't be in charge. You can't be in charge at the same time he's in charge. Y'all with me? There's no such thing as a co-pilot. These stickers are cool. You know, God is my co-pilot, but I don't want him as a co-pilot. He needs to be the pilot. Y'all with me? You got you to gotta surrender. God, I, I'm giving you my life. I'm giving you my dreams. I'm giving you my heart. I'm giving you everything. He said, Pre- present your body. And you have to do it. He's not going to snatch it. Present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Now watch this right here. And be not conformed to this world. That's that influence again. What, let, me, let me translate that. Don't let the world pressure you into being something that God's called you not to be. Be not conformed to this world. You remember what I said the word conform means? It means to apply pressure to, to press into a mold. And that's exactly what's happening in this world. They want to apply pressure and tell you if you believe a certain way, you're a bigot. Or if you believe a certain way, you're, 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 you, 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 you're a hater. What are they doing? They're applying outside pressure to try to change and influence the way you think. But he says, be not conformed to this world, but be ye, be ye transformed. Transformed. That's the Greek word metamorphio, which we get our word metamorphosis. And if you, you, you paid attention to any in school, whatever, or if you're on, if you're on, uh, 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 what's that, what's that game? Uh, 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 trivia crack, yes. If you're on trivia crack, you'll understand that metamorphosis is this. It's a change from the inside out. There is something taking place on the inside, and we know what that is. That's that caterpillar. That old ugly worm goes into that cocoon, and then something happens from the inside out. It was a butterfly the whole time, but the butterfly was on the inside waiting to come on the outside. 
Do you realize there's a lot of butterflies in Christians today? They may, they may look like an ugly worm when they come to the altar. They may look like something doesn't have any potential whatsoever. They may look like Mephibosheth who is rolled up as a cripple up to the king's table. But when the king is through with them, they're going to come out like a butterfly. Say amen. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. How do we transform and what do we transform? It, we, listen, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. My, how do you renew your mind? You take God's mind on paper. I'm sorry, but I didn't, I didn't turn loose the beagle. Say amen. And we're just going to roll with it. Amen. We got to Jesus comes to finish this outline. Amen. Listen, we take, we take his mind, his way of thinking, and we saturate our mind with his mind. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Are y'all with me? That's how, that's how we, we begin to operate with heavenly wisdom. And, and let me say this. When you start thinking like Christ and acting like God wants you to, you're going to be so foreign from the world I went to Guadalajara, Mexico on a missions trip when I was a, a teenager. And I, I, remember, I, remember, I remember going into the city and, 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 and kind of got by myself uh, one time, which really wigged me out. Say amen. Now, I'm sitting here. I, they, I, I don't know the language. I don't know. And I'm in, I'm in a foreign country, and, they, and, and everybody's speaking a different language around me. You're talking about getting whacked out. Somebody say amen. You're, 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 you're just... Do you realize that's what it'll be like when you're totally operating in Christ? When you go out into this world and they start to talk a certain way, they start to believe a certain way, it'll be so foreign to you. What's the point? The point is this. If you can go out in that world and feel comfortable, then we're not where we're supposed to be. That means we've conformed and not transformed. Let me tell you how. Let me tell you how how you can know you're getting closer to God. I know this sounds crazy, but I, my, the way I think is weird anyway. But I know I'm really I, I, I'm close and I'm in tune when the more stuff bothers me. You see, God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say that we walk with him, if we say that we're in the light, if we say that, that we are following him and we walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. Because what is darkness? The absence of light. And God is light. So where there's darkness, it's an absence of God. God's not there. And, and the thing is, the, the, most Christians don't walk in darkness. They're not robbing banks and they're not raping and pillaging. They're not, it's not that they're walking in darkness. They just don't mind a stroll in the shade. What happens, what happens when you're in a bright light and you go in a dark room? Help me. But what happens if you sit there a little while? What, your eyes start adjusting and, and what, what do we say? You're getting... You're getting used to the dark. Let me tell you what's wrong with a lot of Christians today and a lot of churches today. They're getting used to the dark. 
They don't stand where they used to stand. They don't believe what they used to believe. They're not as firm as what they used to. And I'm not talking about traditions, guys. Yeah, anybody should know that I'm not, I'm not all about that. If I was, I'd be in a three-piece suit right now. I'm not, I'm not saying stuff like that because I, I, I believe, anyway, I ain't going to waste time on that. You know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about biblical truths that people are falling back. Why? Because they, they've allowed themselves to, 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 to get so accustomed to the world, their eyes are getting used to the dark, and it doesn't bother them like it used to. But I tell you what, you spend some time, you spend some time in the glory... And the least little thing that's ungodly or impure will bother you. Y'all with me? We say we, we see we are influenced by knowing Christ and walking with Him. We're influenced by the Scriptures. We said that last week. We're influenced by the Scriptures. We're, we're, we're influenced by prayer. By prayer. God, lead me. God, guide me. God, God protect my eyes. Uh, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. Uh, you know... <laughs> These are the influences in our life. Now, what what do we see? What kind of what kind of evidence will we find that James speaks about here in this chapter? What kind of evidence will we find in our life when we're being influenced by the wrong things? How can we know? How can we know that we're being influenced by the world? How can we know that we're being influenced by our own flesh? In other words, that we're, we're following more after our flesh than we are our spirit. How, how can we know that, 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 that we are uh, being influenced by Satan in, in, in our behavior, in our actions? There's some evidences that he gives right here. Let's look in, let's look in verse number uh, 14. Verse number 14. We kind of touched on this a little bit last week. This is on page 3 of your notes. But verse number 14 he talks about a wise man in verse 13 that, that we should show wisdom, uh, we should have good behavior, so forth and so on. He said, but if there's some things in your life, if there's some, some things, some evidences, if there's some uh, things that we find in your life, what things? But if you have bitter, what's the next word? Envying. Envying. I looked up that word in Webster's Dictionary. This, now think about this. To feel uneasiness, discontent at the sight of superior excellence, reputation, or happiness enjoyed by another. In other words, it bothers you when somebody else is blessed. It means to repine at another's prosperity, to fret or grieve oneself at the real or supposed support superiority of another, and to hate him on that account. I, I believe I believe there can be various levels of envy I, I, I'm not going to lie it's hard it's hard when you're pastoring it's hard when you're pastoring and you're struggling and you're doing the best you can and, 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 and it seems like nothing works for you but the guy down the street he's just having his socks blessed off it's hard to, to watch that and be happy for it now, I'm just going to be honest I know y'all wearing halos but I'm going to show you a glimpse of my horns alright I'm just saying does anybody know what I'm talking about? It's hard when you're scratching and fighting and doing everything you can just to keep your head above water and just to pay the bills and just to keep the lights on. And you see somebody that seems like they're whatever across the street and everything they touch turns to gold. It's hard. And sometimes 
sometimes envy will start to creep in. And last week, I'm not going to go into everything in there. You can take it home and read it yourself. But, but we said sometimes envy will cause criticism. Sometimes we'll criticize what we, re- re- we, re- we really wish we had. Criticism. Envy. One thing that, 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 that I, 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 read a, I read a young, uh, a young lady's post that Brother Kendrick posted and she was talking about self-image. And, 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 and she was saying that, you know, when I look down on myself and, 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 and I, I have poor self-image and I, 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 I wish I was somebody else or looked like somebody else and I had all this stuff, she said, she said I, I've learned God's taught me that I'm dishonoring Him. I'm dishonoring Him. And, man, that, that, that intrigued me, so I kept reading. And, and, and she said, I'm, in, I'm made in the image of God. I was created by God the way God wanted me to be created. And when I'm not satisfied with what he's done for me in my life, I'm dishonoring him. And boy, I started thinking about envy. When I, I think more about the, my, my friend's church who's bigger than mine or, 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 or the person down the road, and, and I'm, I'm looking more of what, what I don't have than what I do have, I'm dishonoring God. Because I'm not trusting that God knows what's best for my life. And that I, I'm, I, actually, we're saying, God, you made a mistake. That's envy. He said, he said, I know, I know we're not being influenced by the right influence when there's bitter envy. And it's amazing that he put that adjective in front of that. Bitter. Bitter envy. He didn't just say envy. He said bitter envy. Bitterness, bitterness is horrible. Now watch. Look in, look in, uh, in John. Let's look in John. Let's talk about that criticism in a minute. We said, uh, let me read the, the last part of that point. The evidences of false wisdom. We said envy, number one. Oh, if you're taking those, I'm sorry. I, I keep forgetting that we had some new ones. Uh, number one, on page number three, is envy. What are some evidences of false wisdom? Envy. Is our zeal for the Lord spiritual or carnal? Now think about this, because we're going to look at somebody's zeal. We're going to look at somebody's zeal. His, his name was Judas. He was all looking spiritual and jacked up for the Lord and, 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 and trying to, you know, looking like he was doing something. But, but the question is, is it real? Is it genuine? Is our zeal for the Lord spiritual or carnal? Do we rejoice when others succeed, or do we have a secret envy and criticism? Do we feel burdened when others fail, or are we glad? When the wisdom of this world or the world gets into the church, there is a great deal of fleshly promotion and human glorification. Beware. Now, let's look in uh, John chapter number 12. Are you there? Say amen. Now, here, let's talk about this a minute. Here's a story. Jesus, Jesus is spending some time with some friends. Uh, he is in the house of Simon the leper when you put all of the... When you put all of the, uh, the, the Gospels together, you find that he's in the house of Simon the leper. Now, this is a different situation than when he was in the house of Simon the Pharisee. Okay, this is, when, when he was in the house of Simon the Pharisee and a woman came uh, and wept at his feet and, and, and flooded his feet with her tears, that's a whole different story. She was, she was a woman of reputation, of ill repute, and, 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 and so forth. This is a different person than Mary. So if you, you understand that, say amen. That was Simon the Pharisee. What we're talking about is Simon the leper. All right? 
uh, in, in Simon the Pharisee's house, Jesus dealt with Simon the Pharisee's criticism. But let's look what happens. He's, he's, he's having a meal. He's having a meal. He's fellowshipping. It's not long before he's going to be crucified. It's not long before he's going to be crucified. And this is an amazing thing. This is just a little, this is a little commercial, you can, whatever. Uh, nobody really understood Calvary. His disciples didn't. They followed him three years. But none of them understood and really got and understood that Calvary was coming. They never understood the truth of Calvary except Mary. Mary was the only one because Jesus specifically said, She has anointed me for my burial. She has done this. Now, now why, would, why, would Mary, why would Mary be the only one that really got it? Because every time you find Mary, she's at Jesus' feet. And that's a whole, that's another beagle I want to cut out right now. Amen. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying this. If you spend some time at Jesus' feet, you'll have information. You'll be privy to information other people don't get. But anyway, here they are. And here comes Mary. And she's bringing this perfume. She's bringing this. Uh, some scholars say it's up to a year's wages. I mean, these are poor people too. Jesus, Jesus didn't usually hang out with the rich. Uh, because they didn't want to have nothing to do with him. He was usually with the poor. And, and, and I, I, believe, I don't believe that uh, uh, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus were very wealthy. Uh, but e anyway, this was a very costly ointment that she brought. And, and, and the Bible says she came and she anointed him. And then she took and let her hair down. I'm getting God bumps. Amen. And she began to, she began to wipe uh, with her hair. And, and you say, what is that all about? If you, will, if you will study your Bible, you'll find out the Bible says that, that a woman's hair is her glory. And she's offering her glory to the Savior. In other words, she's submitting and she's surrendering and she's giving her best to the Messiah. Now, in her worship, giving her best to the Messiah, look what the Bible says. Now, does everybody understand where we're at right here? The Bible says in verse 1, Then Jesus six days before the Passover came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, uh, uh, was which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served. But La How would you like to be at that dinner after you was already at his funeral? That's another rabbit, amen. There they made him a supper, and Martha served, just according to her nature. That's what she was. She was a servant. She was a worker. But Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Uh, let me say this. When you worship for real, when you give your best to, to, to Jesus, it'll fill the house. You'll get that tonight later on. Look here, verse 4. Then saith one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot. How many of y'all know who he was? Everybody, okay, everybody know who he was, Judas? Okay, kiss him on the cheek, Judas. Betrayer, Judas. Are we, are we on the same page here? Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him. This is what he says. Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? He said, man, what's she doing? Why is she wasting this ointment? 
We could have we got better use out of this. What's she doing here? Isn't it amazing? Something that is really not one ounce his business. Zero. None of his business. But he's got something to say. Why wasn't this, why wasn't this given to the poor? Doesn't that sound so spiritual? Doesn't that sound, doesn't that sound like he cares so much for the needy and the poor? Oh, why don't we take care of the poor? Let me tell you something. There's something about, about good critics. I'm talking about good critics. Good critics can make criticism sound real spiritual. And good critics can make uh, criticism sound spiritual that's not spiritual. And if you're a baby Christian, you'll fall right in line with it. Why didn't we give this to the poor? I love this next verse. Look what it says. Look what it says. Verse 6. Then he said, not that he cared for the poor. Now, now, now John's writing now. John, who was the closest disciple to Jesus. Probably one of the youngest ones, too. He said, he said before I say any more, I just need you to know, he didn't care about the poor. Not that he cared about the poor, but because he was a, he's a thief. And he had the bag. And he bare what was put therein. In other words, he wanted control. As, mm. Then said Jesus, let her alone. I'm glad Jesus will always take up for the criticized. <laughs> Against the day of my bearing has she kept this. For the poor always ye have with you, but me ye have not always. I'm going to read another verse out of another gospel in just a minute. But what can we take from this story? This is one of the clearest stories in the Bible, that, especially that we can apply to everyday life that we can take from this. What can we learn from this story? Uh, some of you, you, you already know what I'm fixing to say, but just act like you, you ain't never heard it. Number one, when it comes to criticism, when it comes to, and just flip your page over, if you want to write this down, I, I didn't give this to you because I, I just wrote it in sentence form, and if you want to write it down, that's fine. If not, whatever. But if you can flip your, your page over to that blank page on the back, what, what can we learn from this story? Number one, <clears throat> Criticism, criticism is usually just a front to hide someone's true colors in an attempt to elevate one's status in the eyes of others by putting someone else down. Let me read it again. Criticism is usually just a front. Now, why do I say that? Because the Bible says he didn't care about the poor. He was a thief. He was a thief. Now, what does that mean? Be careful when you listen to somebody criticize somebody else. They're hiding something. Because criticism is usually just a front. All right? Usually it's to hide their true colors. Now here's this. In an attempt to elevate one's status in the eyes of others by putting someone else down. Let's say, let's say that, 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 I, I, me, and, me and Brother Johnny's hanging out, and Brother Tyler comes up as the subject of conversation. 
I say, did you see what he did this weekend at church? That was the poorest excuse of singing I have ever seen in my life. Now, what am I really doing? What am I really doing? I'm trying to convince Johnny that I'm better than Tyler. By putting him down. Oh, here's a good, here's a good quote. Just come to my mind. Be careful about always throwing dirt because you're always losing ground. That's quotable. Does this make sense? Criticism. So here's what, here's what you say. Why are you telling us this? Because the next time you hear somebody criticize something, your antennas are going to go up. And you're going to remember this night. You're going to remember this night. And this is what you're going to think. I wonder what she's hiding. I wonder what he's hiding. I believe one thing that was being hid was, was Judas's true identity. I think another thing that was being hid was the insecurity of the disciples. Now think about this. Here they are. They're supposed to be the closest to him of anybody and everybody. And she comes in and offers her best while they're arguing who's going to be the greatest. Now I'm fixing to apply this and put it in her lap, but are y'all getting the, the, the concept here? Here she is, this woman has come, and she has given her best while they're arguing who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom. She basically just made them look bad. So uh, uh, we got to come up with, we got to come up with something, boys. And Judas criticized her, and they joined in with him. You know what I find people most critical of? One, stuff they don't understand. Two, stuff they can't live up to. You never criticize somebody dumber than you. That was a little facetious. You can laugh a little bit right there. We must all be feeling bad guilty tonight. Amen. You, you never, you know, when's the last time you heard somebody criticize somebody poorer than them? that's struggling and having a hard time. When's the last time you've seen somebody criticize a church with 10 people? No, it's them demonic, them demonic mega churches that don't do nothing but help people with their power bills and help people in the hospital and help people and all that. And, and don't get me started. They're the enemy. You know Why? Because i got to figure out why they're growing and we're not. And see, I'm going to have to criticize them because i got to give the people around me a reason why we're not growing because I don't want them to think we're doing something wrong because I don't want to change what I'm doing. Hello? We'll criticize. We'll criticize what we don't understand. I remember, I remember the first time I heard... Somebody talking about drinking coffee in church. I said, that's from the pits of hell right there. Bless God, we ain't having coffee in the house of the Lord. You know why I said that? Because I didn't understand the whole, the whole reasoning behind it. And I really didn't, I really didn't truly get the fact that this, this is not God's house. This is God's house. 
We don't leave God behind in this building when we leave. Now, some of y'all act like that. And I'm not, I'm not being smart there because you've been told your whole life this is God's house and we go there to meet with God and you forgot he follows you home. So you'll act one way in here and act another way at the house because you think he's still here. Do you see why, do you see why that, that, that concept that, that, that we try to make all of this sacred when God said your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? Where you go, he goes. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't respect when we come and we worship. I'm not saying all that, so don't read more into what I'm saying. But I am saying this. We need to really know what we know before we start criticizing what we don't understand. People criticize us for having the screens up. People criticize us for all kind of stuff. That tent won't never work. They're having a circus out there. You see what I'm saying? My friend, my friend, uh, he, he's got them. Do we have them lights in here? Uh, them, them LED lights? How many? Yeah, they're up there. I'm talking about the ones. That, do y'all know when we had in, in our building on the back wall where we had the lights going up the side of the wall? Just a little accent light. That's all it is. It don't mean nothing. It don't usher in the Holy Ghost. It's an accent light. It's supposed to be pretty, all right? That's all it is. Well, a friend of mine, a guy, and he's in, he's in Georgia. Athens, Georgia. In, in I ain't going to say that. I ain't going to say it. Anyway, a, another pastor in Nebraska. Never been to his church. Never seen anything about it. And, and he tweets on Twitter, whatever that is, a picture of the, the, the colored lights on the background and said, this is, in, in big bold letters, this is not the way it was in the Bible. Number one, how do you know? And then he posts a verse that has nothing to do with what he's trying to say. He posed a verse about Ezra standing on a pulpit because he has he has like a a glass lectern, I guess is what you what you'd call that, like a just what this is right here, but it's glass, it's not wood, so it's it's ungodly because it's not wood. Do you know what that meant when it said that he stood on a pulpit of wood, a platform? A wooden platform. It was not this. They call it the sacred desk. It was a wood platform that they stood on. You see, it's not even biblical. It's not even biblical. But let me tell you why. Let me tell you why he don't understand. He don't understand that we're not trying to, we're not trying to whatever. It's, it's just, it just looks pretty. Do you see how we can, we can really start criticizing stuff we don't understand? They didn't get it. She did. She has done this to my burial, Jesus says. She got it, but they didn't, so they criticized her. They'll criticize why we do what we do, but that's okay. Rock on. Because your critic will soon become your student. 
Nicodemus was a Pharisee. And the Bible said he came to Jesus in the night. Why? Because he didn't want them wrestling birds seeing him go to him. And you know these critics that criticize Temple all the time? You know what's happening? I'm getting some calls in the night. Can you help us? No, I ain't helping you. No, I'm kidding. I don't do that. I don't do that. Not one. Every single time, this is what I say. Man, I would love to help you. Just be patient. If you're being criticized, be patient. God has a way of turning it around. There's a judge, there's a judge in in the in the in the Bible. There's a judge. We ain't even gonna get to the outline, are we? we there's a judge in the Bible uh, that, that was illegitimate. He was illegitimate. And the legitimate children kicked him out. You're not going to get our inheritance. Kicked him out. Well, there come a day when they needed him. There come a day when they came under attack, and he was, he was a powerful man by then. They said, please, please come help us. He said, I'm coming if, if I'm in charge. I remember Dr. Brown preaching a message one time the day the outlaw became the sheriff. Listen, if you're being criticized, be patient. I, 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 know, I know what she was probably thinking. Here I have given my best. I'm not doing this, I'm not doing this to impress nobody. I'm not doing this to get any recognition. I'm, I, I'm being sincere, and I'm, I'm giving my best to Jesus, and all they're going to do is talk about me. Well, be patient. Be patient. Because Jesus took up for her. And here's, here's one thing that I, I, I helped my friend with, because I had to go through this same thing, people posting stuff about temple and me and just lies. And I wanted so bad to type back. And I can. Trust me. I can type with a vengeance. And God said, no. And you know what God said? He said, if you do, I can't. And I, I, I think he said I don't think he said it, but I think he said it. I can slap him harder than you can, son. But that's, that's, that's. I'm not sure that's exactly the way it come through, but that's how I received it. Amen. Y'all ain't never coming back, are you? You ain't never coming back. You see, you see, she didn't she didn't have to defend herself. And she shouldn't defend herself because there's one bigger in the room. And he 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 does. Amen. Now watch, watch. Be careful. Be careful, criticism is, is usually a front. It's usually a front. Does that make sense, everybody? Number two, number two, what else can we take from this story? Be careful about hanging with critical people because criticism is contagious. Watch what it says. Now, who spoke up first? Who spoke up first? Judas. Judas had something to say. But watch what it says in Matthew. Same story, same situation. Matthew 26, 8, but when his disciples saw it, they had indignation. They were mad, to, saying, to what purpose is this waste? For this ointment might have been sold for much and given to the poor. In other words, 
Judas started it, but they chimed right on in there with him. You know what that tells me? And I, I know this by experience, too, and I'm ashamed to say this. Sometimes when you're around critical people a lot, you'll, you'll find yourself becoming critical. And you got to be careful. you got to be careful. I know y'all probably more spiritual than I am, but I, I'm kind of weak in this way. When, when, when somebody starts criticizing somebody, it's real easy. The flesh won't say, tell them what you think. And it's real easy to jump on that person and chime in in agreement, and y'all just crucify them together. Now, now, how many of y'all will, will, for just about five seconds tonight, be honest enough and say, yeah, preacher, I've been guilty of that before? Let's be careful. Let's be careful. Because one thing we need to remember, if, if they're criticizing others with you, they'll criticize you with others. They are, most, most critical people are equal opportunity criticizers. Whoever they're with, they're just going to criticize the other one because it's in their nature. It's not that the person they're criticizing really needs the criticism. It's that they need to be criticizing. So they will find something to criticize. Does that make sense? But be careful. I'm telling you, be careful because criticism is contagious. I, 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 man, I, I can't tell you how, how, how easy it is to just fall in line with gossip. It just so because it's in our nature. It's in our nature. We want to feel important. We want people to think we're we're important. We want people to think we know something. We want people to think, and and so our our flesh is so weak right there. And if we're not careful, if we're not careful, we'll join right in. Be careful hanging out with critical people because criticism is contagious. Number three. Number three. This is short. Be careful who you join up with in criticism of another. You just might be teaming up with a devil. John 6, John 6, verse 7, he says this. Jesus answered them, Have not I chosen you twelve, and one of you is a devil? He spake of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for it was, it was uh, for he it was that should betray him, being one of the twelve. Now, now let's think about this a minute. Let's think about this a minute. We always think, we always think the devil is going to be obvious. We always think that the devil, because here's what we have. We have this misconception in our mind of who the bad person is. We think the bad person is, is the guy that comes in that looks shabby and has a, a, a long coat down to the floor and, and, and looks like a, a rough rider or something. You know, looks like uh, the undertaker in the wrestling show. Amen. Oh, that's the bad guy. No, 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 no. That's not the way the devil works. We'll prove that. Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. I got everybody's attention. Look at me for just a second. Look, look at me because this is, real, this is big. How trustworthy, how trustworthy do you think Judas looked and behaved in front of the others for them to let him be the treasurer? Y'all with me? Now, there's some folks that's come to church that I'm saying, dude is not going to be the treasurer of Temple Baptist Church. Are y'all with me? But this guy looked, and he acted in front of them, and he behaved in such a way that they trusted him enough to let him hold the money bag. He was the first treasurer of the church, and he was a thief. 
but he looked good. What's the point? Even what he said sounded spiritual. We could have given this to the poor. We should have sold this and, and, and distributed this to the poor. It sounded so spiritual. Preacher, what's the point? I'm, I'm saying this. The people that you need to avoid and you need to be careful with is not people that's going to be cussing every breath. It's the one that's going to sing Amazing Grace beside you in the church pew. That's going to just have that one little... You know, I, I know, I know it's not that big a deal, but I just think if they would just tone that music down just a little bit, I know it's probably not that. But you know what? If that preacher wouldn't holler so much, we'd probably get more people in this tent. Hey, I tell you what, I, I, I just I, I know. I, I know I'm not supposed to repeat this, or I'm only going to say it once. Amen. Are y'all getting my point? My point is this, the critic is not going to look like a devil. He's going to look like a deacon. He's going to look like a saint. He's going to look trustworthy. He's going to look like the one that you would let hold the money bag. And he's going to sound real spiritual. I, I tell you what, I may be wrong right here, but I just have a hard time trusting them super spiritual sounding people. I, I, I'm telling you, those that, are, that, that, that always are flying about this far off the ground and they always talking about, you know, that, that God's speaking to them all the time and all, I just, I, I, I just, I, I'm sorry. But that old boy that's trying his best, he just makes mistakes, but he, hey, here, here he is, he's trying, boy, God help me through that. Boy, I messed up, but God... That one that acts super spiritual that you never think has a problem, you better be careful. And, and, and while we're at it, the one that seems to gravitate around, that's supposed to be the seasoned Christian that, that's been saved a long time, and he kind of gravitates around baby Christians a lot trying to get a following, you watch that bird. Because he's trying to influence people that are weaker than he is. And then Jesus, lastly, boy, that clock goes fast, don't it? Tell, let's go back. Let's go back over these. Can, can you go back to one? Let's go back over here. Let's let's. Criticism is usually just a front. It's usually to hide someone's true colors and attempt to elevate one's status in the eyes of others by putting someone else down. Number two, be careful about hanging with critical people because criticism is contagious. All right. Number three. Be careful who you join up with in criticism of another because you just might be teaming up with the devil. Now, remember, the point of that is they're not going to look like the devil. They're going to look like they are, are trustworthy. They're going to look like they're dependable. They're going to sound spiritual, all right? Here's the fourth one. Be careful about criticizing something you don't understand because in the end, you may end up looking real foolish. I want you to see in this verse, I'll be honest with you. I, I've, I've criticized other ministries before, 
And uh, I've had to call the pastor and apologize. Because when God really showed me the truth about something, it made me look like an idiot. And, and y'all know as well as I do, I've, I've apologized from the pulpit before. You know why? Because I just didn't know. And, and what I found out this, be careful who you run your mouth about. Because God has a way of turning things around. Now watch, preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying this. Judas brings it up. Judas brings it up, criticizes her, criticizes what she's doing, criticizes her offering. They chime in with him. Now watch Jesus. Watch Jesus. This is in Mark 14. If you can put it up on the screen, they're still in John. But look, look what Mark, how Mark describes it. Jesus says, let her alone. Why trouble ye her? Leave her alone. Leave her alone. She has wrought a good work on me. Let, me. let me say this. Just because you don't think it's a good idea don't mean that he don't. Just because you're not pleased with a style of song doesn't mean he isn't. Amen? Yeah. Come on. Let me get over here. I can see something. He says, for ye have the poor with you always, and whensoever ye will, ye may do them good, but me ye have not always. Now watch this. She hath done what she could. Man, I want to... Mm, right there is a good truth, right there. She is come aforehand to anoint my body to the burial. Ver now, watch what, now watch what he says. Verily I say unto you, Wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she had done shall be spoken of for a memorial of her. What did he do? He rebuked them and praised her. We're still talking about what she did. They completely criticize her actions, her motives, but this world thousands of years later still talking about her gift. What can we take from all of this? Don't sweat it when people criticize you. Don't sweat it when people criticize you. Just give it time because God can turn it around. They criticized Job and said, oh, the only reason you're going through this, you must be a sinner. Won't you repent of your sin? I mean his with friends like that who needs enemies. They was criticizing him upside down the other until God stepped on the scene. And the Bible, I love the terminology. In your King James, the Bible says God turned the captivity of Job. If you're being criticized right now, don't sweat it. Just keep trusting God. Just keep doing what you're doing. Don't change a thing. Just put all of your faith in God, and I promise you, God can silence the critics. He can do it. He rebuked. How stupid did they look in front of them? Can you imagine that, hey, I'll tell you what, and Jesus said, leave her alone. She's done what she could. She's done what she could. Now listen. Don't, don't defend yourself. Let Jesus defend you. Don't, don't defend yourself. Let Jesus defend you. Because he's bigger than we are. And all God's people say it. All right. 
Lord, thank you for this day. In Jesus' name, bless us all as we go home and help us keep our mouths shut. In Jesus' name, amen. Good night, everybody.